Uh, good evening. Uh, today, uh, uh, I take this opportunity to welcome Lieutenant General P.R. Shankar. And I also take this opportunity to welcome once again, uh, Lieutenant General Shokin Chauhan, with whom I've held a number of podcasts on uh, Ukraine, Russia, and uh, the one which we did uh, on the end of the tank and a series. Uh, today, we are going to do a podcast on the artillery. Has artillery changed the war theater in uh, Ukraine? Has artillery changed the rules of the game uh, for the uh, Ukrainian army? Has it given an advantage to the Russian armor, Russian infantry? All those questions uh, would be fielded. There will be a conversation uh, with Lieutenant General uh, P.R. Shankar. And let me tell you, that he retired as the Director General of Artillery and uh, Lieutenant General uh, Shokin Chauhan. Uh, he also doesn't need a long introduction. Uh, he, he I, I would say, is one of the few officers who at a battalion level led the Indian team and uh, participated in the war exercises in Russia. So uh, my first question, without wasting any time, is to Lieutenant General P.R. Shankar, sir, would please unmute yourself first. Yeah, unmuted. Thank you, sir. And thank you for being with us. My question to you is, uh, how has artillery changed things for the Russian war machinery? They are firing 20 to 40,000 shells a day, whereas Ukrainians are firing 4,000 to 6,000 shells a day. Uh, and that's on the podcast. A very good evening to the Shokin Chauhan. Actually, we mu I must tell you that we commanded our units together as colonel and we went for and we've known each other from Staff College. It's a pleasure to be with him on this show. Uh, the second, the main thing which we'll address today is will uh, how has the Russian artillery changed the game? Actually, in the beginning and when the Ukraine war started, I thought Russian forces were not playing to their strength or their tradition. Traditionally, artillery is their most offensive and most combat arm around which the entire artillery, uh, entire Russian forces are built. If you go back in history from the Second World War, the way they went into Kiev in a dispersed manner with the strong to the south and from the east, I thought they had dispersed their firepower. In the second phase of the offensive, where they concentrated only on the Donbass region, they brought their complete might of artillery into the fray. At tactical levels, they've used artillery to fix the enemy. They've used artillery to destroy the enemy. And they've used it in conjunction with other elements, combat elements, and they have not fought a war in which, you know, maneuver was uh, the prime importance, which is the way the Western armies fight maneuver battles. Here, they've gone in for firepower, right? And they've come up with spectacular results. And this is because of the fact that uh, the Ukrainians didn't have that kind of matching firepower. The whole progress has been slow and notwithstanding all that, they made steady progress. Okay, now this issue of 40,000 shells to 20,000 shells and all that, uh, I don't think I, one should, you know, the numbers sound great, but when you convert it into the number of regiments firing, it's about 8 to 10 regiments firing. That means it's a core worth of artillery which is firing per day. Normally, uh, a gun fires about two second lines in a day. That's about 100 rounds in a day. Now, if you do the mathematics, it comes to about a core uh, worth of artillery resources. So it's not so overwhelming firepower as it is being made out. But what is important is this firepower is concentrated. That's the first thing. And second, as against this, the Ukrainians do not have that kind of matching firepower. Right? And they're generally the Ukrainians are low on all other equipment also. So that is why you see the differential. 
yeah with this I, we can take this uh, conversation forward over to you kartik uh, thank you sir uh, general chahan your thoughts on it so please unmute yourself chahan sir please unmute yourself yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you kartik for calling me indeed uh, a special honor to be speaking with my senior colleague uh, general pr shankar for whom i have the greatest of respect his knowledge in uh, of uh, war fighting especially with the use of artillery innovative use of artillery is unparalleled in the indian in indian army and i've been uh, witness to his wonderful suggestions uh, during operation vijay now uh, i totally agree with general shankar the issue about uh, russia is probably the reason why as in kartik and me you have spoken on these issues before uh, was that the russians did not want to do the kind of damage they're doing now on to ukraine uh, they probably thought that they would be able to uh, encircle kiev that they probably thought that ukraine would uh, you know would surrender and uh, they would be able to then not use the kind of destructive firepower that was at their uh, that that was at their back and call because having operated with the russians and having uh, exercised with them at a core level uh, i was uc one core and we carried out this exercise uh, with the russian uh, motorized brigade uh, and i saw for myself how uh, wonderfully and innovatively they used this artillery so uh, what what the russians have actually done is that they have been able to draw out the ukrainian forces uh from the east uh, from the south and now they are bringing them into smaller boxes to destroy them and then take the territory that they feel uh, they they that they have planned to take before they finally uh, call for a ceasefire uh, at what stage the russians would probably look at this ceasefire one is not uh, aware because uh, the russians have not revealed their plan but i would say uh, moment they they are able to liberate in their in their words liberate the russian speaking areas and uh, you know that uh, have the ability to ask ukraine to uh, you know to to surrender the russian will call it a day any time the uh, the word about uh, usage of artillery or using the number of rounds Uh, I, i agree with jan shankar just about 10 to 12 uh, artillery regiments probably double that was being fired at during our kargil operation so you, you should have an idea of what the russians are actually doing vis-a-vis what we have done and what uh, generals like general pr shankar uh, it have innovatively used the artillery in various places various stages of battle during our uh, during our kargil operations also over to you kartik Uh, uh general shankar do you think that ukraine has broken the conception that the regular wars will never be fought and uh, the world will not require tanks and artillery and the military should get used to only special operation short wars uh, hasn't ukraine changed all the paradigms look uh, the paradigms which were set in the constitution is a mental construct no one has said that war will be short or long war will be what it is till nations decide to call it a day or become victorious or otherwise right <laughs> warfare whether it's the gulf war 1 gulf war 2 afghanistan war and what have you right uh, initially all these wars started off conventionally and they lasted minimum a month this war has been out of character it has lasted more than 3 months the nature of war has not changed it is only the way we think has changed right now if you look it ahead uh, the i mean my view is the russians can get out but they're in for a hybrid situation so war at one end is violent using conventional weapons and at the so it's just the just the, this thing with things have gone here got a great lesson for us we need to be prepared as a nation to fight out the long battle with our northern adversary 
and in Himalayas. And the way it is important, Ukraine battle of position the Himalayas will be similar. A battle of position firepower. So then Sir, can you repeat your uh, last couple of sentences? I think there's a bit of an audio problem. Yeah, okay, I'll read. You know, Ukraine battle of minimum maneuver, more positional, but maximum firepower, where firepower has given the mobility to the battlefield. For whatever reasons, why ever the Russians have opted for this kind of design of a battle, even after the ground has hardened. We will have to encounter a similar thing in the Himalayas, whether it's with Pakistan or China in the future. It will be a positional battle, minimal movement, minimal maneuver. Maneuver will be there. Maneuver will be there as we did in Kailash Range, but minimum, but maximum firepower and maximum firepower to generate maneuver. And it's going to be a long battle. So we have major lessons to draw out of this conflict, whether it's in the first phase or in the second phase. We have to rethink the way we are going to employ firepower in future. Like what General Shokin Chauhan said, we couldn't have won Op Vijay Air Kargil without innovative use of firepower. And we have to reinvent ourselves for the next coming phase. Uh, and especially because the range increase, our guns are much better than before. We have long-range missile systems and rocket systems. We have to use them effectively. Over to you, Karthik. Sir, I have a uh, I have a secondary question. You you said that the you know the bat it, we have got uh, lessons. Uh, you know le we can learn lessons from Ukraine, which and the you know the Battle of Himalayas will be battle of minimum maneuver, uh, positional battle, and uh, maximum firepower. But there is one more thing which is very very particular to the artillery usage in uh, Russia. They have not deployed their latest guns. They have not deployed their uh, new weapons. Uh, most of the weapons are of 50s and 60s vintage, uh, which are directly connected to their uh, production lines. Why has that happened? It's like the war of 40s and 50s and 60s being fought uh, in 2022. Look, uh, you have to understand. You have to understand one thing. The Russians have fought this battle very intelligently. They used guns and equipment, tochkas and, you know, Akatsias, that's 152mm guns and all that. They brought them back into the play for only one single reason. Ukrainians don't have matching firepower, one. And I think, my suspect, uh, this is my guess, the Russians have a huge stockpile of this ammunition which they can poop off. That's why they're being quite profligate in the way they're going about their expenditure of ammunition. It's more of a logistics issue than an operational issue. And they have not committed their, you know, modern 155 systems, which they have, into battle. Okay. This is not, this is unconnected with our scenario. In our scenario, we might have to go in with the best and the uh, most effective from day one. Over to okay. Okay. Uh, uh, General John, do you think that this is the only reason that they are deploying all their uh, um, vintage uh, material uh, in the current war in Ukraine. Can you please unmute yourself? General Chauhan, can yeah, you please yeah, unmute yourself? Yeah, yes. Yeah. See, Karthik, there are a uh, couple of issues here, which uh, as General Shankar was explaining to you, and I'll explain a little further. Firstly, is the nature of war. The nature of war is violent. It is characterized by, uh, by firepower. It can be characterized by movement. It can be characterized by mobility. Now, in each point, you know, uh, when, you, when you look at the Clausewitzian theory of fighting war and uh, the, the theory of the war and state and politics being an extension uh, of war being an extension of politics, you have to understand how the Russians actually went about what they're doing. 
Firstly, let's look at the NATO. NATO countries had warned Russia that they should not get into this war. But Russia didn't listen. So first, the first issue and the first lesson that we must draw, Karthik, is that deterrence from NATO or from uh, the US or from a superpower will not help if a country is determined to wage war. That's the first understanding we must have. That you, the US or NATO will not be able to fight a war on our behalf. That, that's the first issue. Secondly, what the Russians have done is they've kept the war to and, and kept it consigned within a particular area. The using of their old weapon systems and not their newer weapon systems has it's a twofold issue. Firstly, they have stockpiles of ammunition, absolute stockpiles of old weapon systems and stockpiles of ammunition, which they don't need to worry about resupply. The second is that these weapons are effective. They're doing the job that otherwise, uh, uh, you know, they wouldn't have been able to do. Thirdly, Ukraine doesn't even have one-tenth or one-hundredth of what the Russians have. Fourthly, the NATO countries have not been able to supply Ukraine, regardless of the kind of propaganda that the NATO is doing. There is no resupply of uh, ammunition. There is no resupply of guns. Maybe one weapon system, maybe five weapon systems. But the Russians have got the ability to use hundreds more at the same time. So when you look, and if you were looking at the kind of lessons that we are looking at, we must understand that firstly, deterrence will not help. Secondly, as Jan Shankar says, we have to be prepared to use our firepower both for a positional battle and for a mobile battle. Thirdly, we, by signing, by signing alliances, we will not be able to deter war. And fourthly, we must start the process of stockpiling ammunition for the best weapon system that we have now. Because war, whether fought today or whether fought after five years, nothing much changes. And fifthly, please don't get conned into this idea that one kind of drone or one kind of weapon system that appears will fundamentally change the nature of war. It doesn't do that. War is being fought and the Russians are teaching you that old equipment, existing equipment, and everything else depends upon the principles of war that Russians have taught us. That still exist, will continue to exist, and war will still be fought along these lines. Over to you, Karthik. Sir, so, no, I completely agree with you. Uh, there was a report a month ago that Ukrainians are using... Uh, hundred-year-old Gatling guns used in the First World War uh, because they're effective. So I, I understand the point you're trying to make. Uh, but, do you, but do you think that this war has also shown that uh, in terms of employment of newer technologies, there's a vast difference between Americans and Russians in terms of electronic warfare, uh, creating a sort of a, uh, uh, electronic shield for their artillery? Absolutely, Karthik. We have discovered or Russians have been have used, I would say, just about one-fifth of their abilities. The rest they keep for when they feel might they might need to use if NATO ever intervenes in this war, which we hope shouldn't happen. But they've kept as a reserve a large number of weapon systems that they've simply not used at the moment. So that, that is the issue, Karthik, that what is effective, how it's to be fought. The Russians have finally got it right after three months, got the situation right, got the vulnerability of the Ukraine, Ukrainians right, and have actually reduced Ukraine to a field-firing range, wherein they pick the targets, they fire, and they go back and sleep for the day. Because even if they are firing 20, 30, 50,000 rounds, the, all they're using is 10 to 12 to 15 units a day. Over to you, Karthik. General Shankar, do you think that the Russians are uh, repeating their experience in Syria where they demolished 
cities after cities in Ukraine? See, uh, you must go back into history. If you go back into history, this is what uh, the Russians did in Warsaw in the Second World War. This is what they did to Berlin. This is what they did to the Tsunami. They use firepower as the crux. That's why they call it the God of War. They use firepower as the crux of their warfighting capability. If they can use a hammer to kill a nail, uh, kill a fly, they will. That's what they're doing now. One. Number two, whether it's an old weapon or a new weapon, whether it's a light weapon or a heavy weapon, if a shell falls on your head, it, you'll kill, get killed. Modern weapon system or old weapon system, it doesn't matter. The important thing is the shell. That's the weapon. If it falls anywhere near you and it has got a lethality and you're hit and you're hit. And if you can maximize the number of shells, it is all the better. These are all old things which actually a lot of Indian Army and Indian Army thought processes are derived from the Russians because at a point of time, 80% of our guns were all Russians and we had a lot of Russian thinking in our head. And that this is what we have applied in Kargil also. Okay. So this concept that this is an old army or this is a modern army doesn't stand the battle uh, test of battle. Right. Now, focus on what General Chauhan said. In this battle, the Russians have used Ukraine as a field firing range. They've used all the weapons they've had at their disposal, old weapons which are junked out. And they brought them back in this thing. So it's at no cost, actually. Now, if you think this is one side of the story, the other side of the story is whatever the Americans have given Ukraine, the M777s, are all old. The Marines ditched their, dumped their M777s. Those have been now given to Ukraine. Right? Why am I saying, making this statement? Because... There is no M777 production anywhere in the world today, except in India. Right? So all the old equipment is being brought in. So this business of old and new, modern and uh, you know not modern and all doesn't stand. What wins in war is the grit of that infantry soldier who has to hold the ground, the gunner who has to fire and destroy the enemy for him. And then the tankman who has to maneuver and take it forward. Unless these three fundamentals, fundamental arms of war don't fight in sync with each other, nations will lose. Over to you, Karthik. Sir, uh, the Rusi study, uh, which I referred to, it clearly states uh, when the researchers and the people working on ground, they said for Ukrainians to survive, they need to suppress the artillery advantage or else uh, Ukrainians will not be able to survive the current onslaught. Do you think that the Ukrainians can suppress or deal with the artillery advantage of Russia with electronic warfare and their advanced zones, drones? Uh, look, let me answer this off the thing. That Ukraine, I ran through that Jack Watling's Rusi's uh, article. That's a biased article. Let me put it out at this uh, outset. It's a, it's biased towards the Western concept of thinking. There are equal articles which say that Ukraine is finished. One. Number two, you can't stop artillery from firing at you with EW and all those things. Okay. The only way you can stop artillery from firing at you is to fire your own artillery at that artillery and displace it. Or deny ground to that artillery to be deployed. But then artillery deploys quite well back with the ranges and you can't do that. And if you think Ukraine can the artillery advantage with its few guns and, uh, you know, uh, multiple rocket launchers which, which it has, this, let's forget it. It's not going to happen. All Ukraine can do is fend off the day a few days more. Okay. 
like i said in the outset conventionally ukraine is outmatched like what general chohan actually pointed out like a hit the nail on the head russia is using ukraine as a field firing range to carry out their practices the only way ukrainian can get back into the battle or into the saddle is to fight a hybrid war they have to now get on to street fighting infantry fighting they don't have the firepower to match the russians by any imagination i i, I mean i'd like uh, general chohan to vein on this because he's got tremendous experience in hybrid warfare absolutely please go ahead general chohan and do, do do the ukrainians have the numbers to go in for a hybrid warfare so please unmute yourself yeah. uh kartik uh, i actually heard general uh, shankar giving out so clearly uh, you know uh, the the issue about uh, the ability of ukraine and their inability to stop the usage of artillery that that you must understand that there is no question that any kind of modern electronic means can deter the russians from using their artillery that there is nothing in existence today that can deter the the russians what can be deterred and what can prevent them from using was if the ukrainians had control of the air then they could have used the air to destroy the russian artillery which has been positioned in a place from where they are taking on the uh, the ukrainian targets that they have planned for so that's the first issue secondly i you and me spoke on this issue about drones the ukrainian drones that means uh, the, the drones that were actually the turkish drones have proved absolutely ineffective the rusi study that you read is it, it has a great deal of propaganda say 30% truth but a great deal of propaganda if you heard subsequently uh, the chief of defense staff of the british army also in its speech to uh, the rusi uh, said that the U- ukrainians are finished they have lost the war uh, nato secretary general has said the same thing that the ukrainians have lost the war now as far as hybrid war is concerned what is hybrid war kartik hybrid war involves the movement of special forces or people to go across and ambush the russian uh, russian forces whether in in ukraine using the population arming uh, the ukrainian population uh, to continuously keep preventing the russians from taking over the, 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 the these areas that that would be the start of the hybrid war the usage of five uh, the the fifth generation of warfare that is irregulars using irregular forces to my mind at the present moment this is impossible the reason uh, is that the russians have chosen to occupy majority russian speaking areas where the population is of majority of russian speaking people if the majority of the population is with you it will be impossible for ukraine to start a hybrid movement and to fight a hybrid war there because the first issue the center of gravity of any such war has to be the population that means the population has to be with you 100% before any such kind of war is successful so over to you kartik Uh, so the reason why i asked this question was uh, if, if you remember uh, there, there have been number of articles which are there in public domain which argue that the reason why azerbaijan was able to defeat and uh, burn a billion dollar worth of the armenian armor was because of the bakhtiyar drones of the uh, turkey so uh, my question was premised on a new technology like loitering munition now you you have a different point of view on this so it is for this reason i was asking how come modern technology uh, failed in the ukrainian theater whereas it, is, it worked in the yeah. different theater i i understood that uh, kartik but armenia is not russia or russia is not armenia russia is the master of electronic warfare they control the electronic waves there is no question of anything getting through in the russian airspace there is absolutely no question 
they have all the latest equipment <coughs> to deal with the electronic warfare and ukrainian is 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 a pygmy in front of russia's ability to control the skies and to control the electronic uh, <coughs> electronic uh, frequencies and the electronic uh, spectrum what is more important and i must just take you back a little bit <coughs> is jen shankar mentioned the second world war and how the russians destroyed the nazi army and their usage of this kind of warfare in fact the russians taught the chinese a very valuable lesson in uh, in march 1969 at the Weng, uh, at the zenbau islands where the russians lined up their grad bm21 i wonder if you remember that shankar sir <coughs> when we were you know young cadets and uh, recently uh, commissioned the army this was what we had heard that the russians lined up their grad bm21 and destroyed the entire chinese force on this uh, zenbau island so the russian ability to to mass firepower and to utilize it to destroy and obliterate has been proven again 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 and again they didn't do this because they didn't want to destroy ukraine but since ukraine had not succumbed to the russian forces well this is the way they're doing it they're going to slowly by slowly keep using more and more munitions to destroy the will of the ukrainians to fight this war anymore over to you karthik a very well said janit sankar in context of planning and uh, i'm i'm and i'm asking this uh, question in context of tank uh, because uh, there have been number of write ups on tank that the ukraine uh, had you know they demonstrated the ability to destroy russian tanks in, in the initial part of the war second uh, the prominent use of small weapons third the emergence of artillery as a as a as a as a new powerful force in ukraine uh, what is the indian learning curve sir ah that's an interesting question the indian learning curve is first don't draw wrong lessons that the tank is finished the tank got hit or got immobilized because the russians didn't probably intercept in a maneuver battle in the beginning and in the beginning of the war the maneuver battle couldn't be fought because of the conditions and the rasputin's conditions where there was a thaw and they couldn't fan out if the terrain more lethal than the tank first the second major learning is you need good infantry progress battle the russians didn't have it let's be very clear they had a conscript force right and my worry which i've been mentioning to a lot of people is uh, i only hope our future agnivirs uh, perform better than you know the russian infantry did third their logistics can you can you can you explain this point on the agnivir many people would like to know your thought on it in which context you said this So again, a bit of an audio problem. Can you start from Russian the beginning? Forces are conscripts. They're one, two, three years of service. And when they came into fire initially, they couldn't react. They couldn't fight back. And many places, there were tank crews, there were uh, infantry boys, even uh, gunners. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't retaliate. They couldn't. It's now that they, after about one, two, three months of fighting, that they are coming to senses. so the and russia has since then pulled conscripts back and put more seasoned people up front today now this conscripts with very little service one two three four year service service and minimal training are similar is what we are getting into with agnivirs i only hope our system has the ability to get over this problem because what we have done with agnivirs is we have reduced training by half and we are going up as we go along the majority of our army at the fighting end at the company battery squadron level are going to be full of agnivirs so that's something which we have to take home from and that's a major lesson which we have to take from here how not to get 
caught like the Russian army. So that's how it is. Now I'll get back to the thing. Now when we spoke initial phases, the Russians didn't have their logistics well sorted out. Because of the fact they didn't have their logistics well sorted out, they, the, their whole army couldn't move. As simple as that. And they had to withdraw from Kyiv. It is only when they have re-focused only on the eastern side, they have concentrated their forces, they have sorted out their logistics, they have gone back to their strength, artillery, supported by infantry, which, which in their cases maximum is uh, mech infantry, mechanized infantry, and tanks, right, that they have been able to make progress. Okay, so there are a lot of lessons but we shouldn't draw the wrong ones to say that the tank is finished. We can't say just because Russia is using artillery as a, as a prime this thing, infantry is of no use. All three are important. In our concept of fighting, all three have a balanced role depending on the situation, the terrain and the condition. Yeah, I, in fact, I would uh, like... General Chauhan to, you know, weigh in. Uh, General Chauhan? Yeah, I, I in fact, uh, let's, let's go to the first issue, the issue about Agnivis. The, uh, the concept of an Agnivir and the lack of training will definitely, 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 uh, I can't emphasize it more, affect the quality of uh, the Indian Army. It is just humanly impossible for a soldier with six months of training and merely three and a half years more to serve for him to go and sacrifice his life. And he will simply not be able to do it. Uh, Jen Shankar has been a little more charitable. I would be more blunt in this issue that this seems to be, uh, you know, will, will not allow us to fight a war in the manner that we should be fighting. Seasoned troops are troops who have fought for eight to nine years. In fact, in the in the infantry, and I'm sure as in the artillery, you do not give a specialized weapon system to a soldier till he's done his first kada, that is the Umedwar kada, uh, which is normally held after six to seven years. Uh, it's only after that that you consider him worthy of being trained uh, on specialized weapon systems. And that is the time that we send him for these specialized weapon system courses. If 75% of your army are going to be Agnivis, then who will you send on, the, on, these, on, on these training missions? 25% of the army can't, uh, can't be the people who will shoulder the burden. 75% will be just uh, passengers. So, yes, the Russian army and the infantry and the armored corps and the, and the artillery, the crews ran away. They were unable to deal with the, 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 the difficulties of battle. And uh, that's exactly what happened. The Russians have changed course, have now fighting based on their strength. And uh, that's exactly how we must fight our war too, based on, the, on our strength. And our strength has always been our infantry, our ability of our soldiers to fight through the greatest and greatest of problems, to fight the most difficult heights, to be, uh, you know, where uh, forces like the PLA simply cannot exist, our forces can fight. So there's simply no reason for us to try and destroy their fighting value by reducing their, uh, their service and by getting us people who, who will not be able to fight these wars. Over to you, Karthik. No, I'd uh, like to add one more point, Karthik. Sure. Point. You know what General Chauhan said? You, you know, when a guy who's got about three to four years service, you don't let him touch specialized weapons. In the artillery, it is a total extreme. Till You know, in the first three, four years of service, you know, in a gun detachment, a gun detachment is about seven to ten, depending on the kind of gun. And the last three guys... You know, six, seven, or seven, eight, nine. The last three guys in the uh, gun detachment are normally the youngest gunners who have just come in. And you know what they do? They generally get, get ammunition. Little ammunition 
and you know they train they see everything from far they are not allowed to touch a site they are not allowed to you know even load a round it takes a lot of experience to load a round properly because a badly ro- loaded round or a badly laid gun is lethal to own self it takes time and all this is done under fire right you you're facing fire and firing on the enemy simultaneously it's unnerving so to and to think that at a, a battery a company or a squadron level to have 60% of these agnivirs gives me shivers we will just not be able and the same goes with tank crews also right a tank driver has to jockey his tank into a position of firing he has to you know go into a hull down position of protection everything he has to think ahead he has to drive it's just not driving a tank it's not driving a scooter on you know mg road or something like that it's a battlefield so i think we need to be very careful with what we are going, going to do, do with uh, these agnivirs uh, i am sure people at the concerned level are uh, alive to this and there must be uh, you know thinking of ways to get over it uh, over to you kartik and my uh, my uh, closing question which is addressed to both of you i'll uh, come to uh, general chauhan first and then to you so that you get to close it uh the present war in ukraine has also demonstrated how difficult urban warfare is and uh, how important it is for modern armies to adopt and adapt better technologies and use the present one uh to fight combat uh from close quarters densely populated segments uh and where internet is alive and i would close my question by saying that what what is what was available uh in 1991 or from fallujah or mosul when americans were fighting iraqis in a week uh is available today from ukraine in one minute so uh how do we deal with this kind of a networked war uh, uh extremely uh, a war fought on uh urban areas where is our lesson here janu chahan kartik my first recommendation when you talk about urban warfare is avoid it uh, as much as you can uh, i would not recommend fighting urban warfare i would not recommend going into deeply uh, you know highly congested cities with built up areas because uh, it is impossible to win a war uh unless you're using massive destructive power first to destroy the building to destroy the art, the the concrete of the buildings and then to go in to mop up uh this this kind of war which we we've seen uh, we've seen uh, and we've studied the battle of kiev we've studied the battle of stalingrad we we've studied various other battles of second world war as well as we fought these battles in 1971 that it is impossible to win in an urban situation and especially congested cities so my first recommendation uh, would be to avoid this war and to win a war of attrition from far which is exactly what the russians are doing uh, no kind of technology kartik can help you in a, a in in the urban area you have to send troops inside they have to fight room by room uh they have to be able to take a lot of uh, casualties and in the end there are simply no winners uh over to you uh, general shankar so please unmute yourself i completely agree with general chauhan if we can avoid no urban warfare urban warfare is uh, no go in today's conditions especially because these concrete jungles you know it's very difficult getting past them and if you go into any major city with multi storied 20 30 storied buildings any guy on top gives fantastic observation all round right so you avoid urban war but 
let's come to our sitting where are we going to go and you know fight our next battle if it is trust on us it's in the himalayas there's no urban setting right largely even with whether you call it with pakistan or with china right and that's one the second thing is we have to also understand i mean we have to take relevant lessons from this uh, ukraine and russian war we have to understand that in our set context china pakistan and india are all nuclear powers the space for war this kind of extended war is limited there is no history where two nuclear powers have gone into extended warfare the first time anything happens the entire effort is to stop that war between nuclear powers the only time when two nuclear powers have gone into real battle is kargil after that it is really not so but having said that uh, we need to be prepared to fight a battle we need to be prepared to fight a small battle of get gaining a relative positional and strategic advantage through tactical methods ours is going to be a battle of deterrence come getting that piece of small ground which you can bargain later i mean ours is a much more complicated battlefield which probably i cannot even explain to you in this uh, limited time which uh, we have maybe some other day we can think of it no absolutely i understand uh, may i add a may i add an additional uh, question to you if you permit me yeah yeah is the future theaterization sir uh there is no doubt about it unless you theaterize uh we are going to come to uh, we are going to have problems uh lack of theaterization segmentizes the battlefield right whether it is laterally or uh, horizontally or rather in depth so the future is theaterization and especially as we are uh, evolving into a rising power has more uh, responsibility especially with over the entire indian ocean region we have no choice but theaterize that's my okay janu okay janu chauhan do you think that theaterization is the uh, is the future please unmute yourself janu chauhan there is uh, absolutely no doubt kartik war is a combined effort it's a whole of country approach theaterization is a, a part of using your entire armed forces together to on one particular goal we all have to be together but for uh, in in saying that i am deeply aware that uh, theaterization means combining all the uh, you know all the efforts or all the uh, all the armed forces together to fight this war and for that our air force needs to be uh, the main reason why the air force is has, is dragging its feet on theaterization is that they just have 30 to 32 squadrons and if they have to dish out the squadrons with dedicated air support to any one command uh, then what do they do with the rest so we have to you know look at these issues in the indian context and then see how we can fight this war uh, combined war event or combined uh, arms or all arms and how are we going to actually theaterize we there is no one solution to this and definitely not the solution that the us has used or the uh, or the other countries have used as far as theaterization is concerned we we have to think of indian solutions here but that theaterization is actually uh, the only way forward there is simply nothing else that we we we, we can do but to theaterize ourselves and do you do you, and do you also feel that you know in number of twitter space discussion we had quoted articles from multiple uh, uh, magazines uh, defense journals but all of them have been produced in the west and when i use the west i mean the western europe and americas uh, and do you think that this is the new part of the uh, war theater which is like information war knowledge is power power is knowledge and the dissemination of a perspective is only taking place from london paris Berlin 
Washington. There is no counter narrative apart from the sort of informed podcast and Twitter space discussion, which I get to do with you and other esteemed guests like General Shankar. Karthik, uh, you know when we started this, uh, when we started talking about this Ukraine war, uh, this was one of the issues that we talked about. The fact that the the the, the U.S. Uh, so dominated the uh, airspace, or, or so dominated the television space, or so dominated the space or the news space that uh, the Russians simply would not able to come out with their counter narrative. So, in the minds of the people, uh, I would say ninety percent of the world, the Russians were actually losing. But what did the Russians do? Uh, they kept at their job. They kept at that point, and today, uh, no matter who is there, whether it's the UK or the or the or NATO or anybody, uh, who's who's winning the war? Is it uh, is it the Ukrainian forces? With despite all the counter narratives and despite all the narratives that they had in their thing, or the Russians? And having been the ADGPI of the army and actually being the first proponent of the uh, of the use of uh, information warfare. All I can say is that it is extremely important to dominate the airspace. So extremely important to do, dominate the information space. Dominate it and keep it dominated so that only your narrative goes. But this thing uses is 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 useful, provided you are going to occupy a country and the population then needs uh, a narrative that they that uh, a narrative that only they will listen to. The only narrative that comes out in a situation like this. Uh, I don't think the Russians have been very, the Americans have been very successful, uh, because though they may have convinced the world for a while, they they simply could not get through to the Russians, and the Russians continued to fight the war that they were the best at. Over to you, Karthik. Uh, thank you so much, uh, General Chauhan, and thank you so much, uh, General Shankar, for uh, making time. And I think the biggest takeaway for me after having this riveting, informative, informative conversation is that yes, there is a Western narrative, and the counter narrative is not available. And I think uh, the Indian, uh, I would say that except the voices from Indian armed forces. Uh, in terms of appraisal of what is happening in Ukraine, there is no counter voice, uh, and I must confess that if it wouldn't have been my conversation with you, General Chauhan, or today with General Shankar, I wouldn't have had the uh, idea or uh, the different perspective which is available because there is no narrative which is coming from Russia. That's one big takeaway, and I think the second big takeaway was in context of the Agnivis, which was uh, very well put by both of you that uh, the Russians immediately learned that the newly uh, inducted soldiers will not be able to fight who have been trained for a few months. And uh, in context of our Agnivis, uh, what the government has in mind. Uh, it needs to take in the suggestions from, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, from people like you who have served in armed forces for decades. And my last takeaway of this uh, podcast is that yes, artillery has made a difference, and uh, it doesn't make a difference whether a gun is forty year old or a thirty year old. It needs to work. It needs to get to the target. Uh, thank you, both of you. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much.